Good morning. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be God. One more text. Isaiah, 1 Peter, he reads, he is talking about the very text in the Old Testament I'm going to read to you now from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. The grass withers, And the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. What does every person need? Um, You know, as you think about that, my experience tells me something that every person needs. Every time somebody calls me, every time somebody comes to my house, every time somebody comes to the office, I had an office, I don't have an office here at a church building like I did in California, but people came to the office and they all had something that they needed. And they all had something that I knew I could give to them. I realized there was something I could give to them. They all needed it. And they had, we had people, people would come to me for counseling. People would come to me and talk to me. There were kids who would ride their big old motorcycles up to the church and sit with me outside on the cement and talk to me. But there was always this thing they needed. It's a four-letter word. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. Do you know what it is? Whether we say the word or not, it's what we need. Whether it's just encouragement, we don't say the four-letter word. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. Whether we say the word or not, everybody needs it. Do you know what it is? Well, it's hope. And people come, and they come, uh, and I'm going to say more about this later, but people would come to my office, people who don't know me, and they say, would you bury my father? Would you bury my mother? And I would always sit there with them, and I would want to give them what they needed, and it's hope. Every person needs hope. Every person needs to know that there's a future. Every person needs hope that there's something. I'm going to go through this difficult time, and I'm going to get through it. I'm going to come out on the other side, and I'm going to be alive when I come out of it. Well, there's two kinds of hope that we can talk about. And first one, the first hope is ordinary hope, and the second hope is biblical hope. Now, if you go and you look in your dictionary and you look up what ordinary hope is, ordinary hope is a hope that there's this desire for something, but it's uncertain. There's this desire for something, but it's not sure. Let me give you a few examples. We plan a vacation, and what do we want? We want good weather. 
We hope for good weather. When we go deer hunting, this is one of the best. You know what, folks? I mean, I haven't gotten to go deer hunting in a long time, but I do know that, that it's like right now it's 75 degrees. This morning it was 53 degrees. You can't get a better first day of deer season than 53 degrees in Texas on the first day of bow season. The deer are going to move. You hope for the weather. You hope for a 38-degree cold front to come through so that the deer will move. Maybe you'll see the big one. You hope when you go shopping with your girlfriends, you hope there's no drama. You hope that for that, that man, I don't know how much money y'all spend. Uh, somebody gave me some money the other day, and we went and I spent 50 bucks on a steak. And I hoped that it would taste as good as it cost, right? But we're not sure of it, you see. There's these desires. Ordinary hope is it's not a certain thing. The steak may not taste good. The, the 38 degree cold front may not come through. And when I'm with my girlfriends out shopping, well, there may be some drama. Biblical hope is different than ordinary hope. Biblical hope is a hope that's confident. One uh, commentator put it like this. This hope, biblical hope, it's not the prospect of what might happen. But it's the prospect of what is absolutely guaranteed. It's something that's guaranteed. So uh, ordinary hope is, is uncertain. But this word that Paul uses and the other writers in the New Testament use, it speaks of something that's guaranteed. People come to me. Every sermon that I preach, every time somebody comes to me, I am trying to leave them. I realize I need to leave them. You Ask my wife. That's my wife. Everybody that comes to me, I try to leave them with hope that God has a plan. So, okay, maybe you're going through, maybe you're in a pit right now. Let's talk, let's use some peace. Maybe you're in a prison right now. Maybe you're in painful circumstances right now. Maybe what you're going through right now is the result of all, a whole bunch of bad choices on your part. But you know something? God has a plan and God has a purpose. God has, in this word of God, he gives us hope. So what does every person need? Well, we need hope. Second, where do we get this hope? Well, I've already cheated. I've already told you where it's going to come from, right? I've already said it's biblical hope, right? But where do we go? Where do we go when we need hope? Let me tell you where most people go. They go to their friends. I used to be a personal trainer in a gym. And I would, you know, when you're a personal trainer, you, you, it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Back in the old days, we used to get up and get there at 5, and we used to work till 5 or 6 in the afternoon. And we used to, I mean, you'd make some money. You can make some money. <laughs> but I get up at 4, four o'clock, I get there at 5, and I would watch my friends, and they would have a problem. They're having a problem, and I'd watch my friend over there, and at 5 o'clock, he has a problem, and he asks his first client, can you help me with the problem? And then at 6 o'clock, he asks the next client, he said, can I help you as you work out with me? Can you help me with my problem? See, when, you, when you're a trainer, you train a lot of people. You train doctors, you train lawyers, you train psychologists, you train counselors. And so you can go out, you can just pick all these people's brains. And that's what this guy would do. I, I could hear what was going on because I was on the floor. What do we do when we need help? Well, we go and ask our friends. Maybe we go and ask experts. Maybe we go and ask specialists. Or, you know, and one of the things that I found out people are being told not just going to their friends, but they're being told to look within. Go look inside. Doesn't that sound like Disney? Just follow your heart, folks, and everything will turn out okay. Well, I, I had some folks, I know some folks who were given this counsel to look on the inside. Mm. What do I find on the inside? 
And so they look on the inside and they're, they're being told in their grief and in their terrible circumstances that they just need to pack up their fifth wheel and they need to leave the circumstances and go out of the state, out of state. And so they would go on a long trip, they pack up that fifth wheel and they're gone, they're gone for like three months, four months. And when they come back, they've left the circumstances and maybe they've had a little bit, you know, diminished of despair. What are they going to come back to? They're going to come back to the same house they used to sleep in. And they're going to see the same person's not in that bed in that room. And then they go into terrible despair all the more. I'm not saying that men don't have good wisdom. I'm not saying that men don't have great reason. I'm not saying that men are not really smart. Because they are. But man's reason can only go so high. So if we can't find this wisdom from our friends and we can't find this wisdom by looking within and we can't find this wisdom by going outside the state, where do we go? And the Bible tells us that it has this wisdom inside of it. So we have this God who created the heavens and the earth. We have this God who created man, male and female. And we have a God who did not walk away from this earth that he created and from the male and the female that he created, but he speaks to this world and he speaks to us today in this black book. In the Testament, the New Testament and the Old Testament, written over 1,600 years through these men God spoke, through certain men he chose, and he has given us a book. He's spoken to us in this book. And you know what he tells us that his name is in the book, in this Bible? He says he's the God of hope. You read your Bible and he will tell you, I am the God of hope. He hasn't left, left us alone. He speaks to us in this word. Now, let me explain my sermon. I don't always have to do this. I guess I don't have to do this all the time, but I'm going to explain my sermon today. Where did this sermon come from? Well, years ago, 2019, right before COVID, isn't it interesting how we mark time now before COVID and after COVID? Okay, so before COVID happened in 2019, in August of 2019, I, a lady, I received a call from some people in my church. They said a, a woman, her husband's died. Uh, would you help her with the funeral? I said, yes. So I buried her husband. And then 15 months later, she calls me in November of 2020 during COVID. And we had a 90-minute conversation. And when that was all said and done, it was over, okay? Now, here's how things work. In the previous church I was in, I had many families and many people who had loved ones that did not go to church, they didn't have a pastor, and so if somebody died, if a friend died, they would call me and they'd say, Pastor Mark, would you help my friend? I'll bring them to church. And I'll, I'll help them along, and could you help them to bury their loved one? And I go, okay. And uh, I, I could tell you all some great stories. Um, I, I, had, I had three Assyrian women almost fighting about their brother. <laughs> and I said a few words, and everything changed. <laughs> it was great. But in this particular moment, uh, friends came members of my church came to me and they said, would you help this lady? I'm going to give you her first name. Her name is Kathy. Kathy's husband has died. And so they brought her and her daughter up to the church. 
Well, I used to always sit, my, I had a big table, I had my computer out, I thought about all this stuff before they got there. I had chairs sitting out, and I had them come in and sit down, and I cried with them, and I prayed with them, and I said, do you need somebody to write a eulogy for you? Do you need, here's how we do a you know, funeral service. Here's an outline. How can we work this out where it's pleasing to you and, and good for everybody who comes? And so we worked it all out, and the next few days later it was a it was a strained meeting because I could tell she was estranged from her daughter but we got through it 170 people came I think to the funeral uh, I went through it I'd led everybody through it and then it was over and you know a minister always thinks did anyone hear what I said <laughs> well 15 months later Kathy calls me up and she said hi I'm Kathy do you remember me you buried my husband 15 months ago I said, absolutely, I remember you. And then she said, can I talk to you? And I said, yes, yeah, sure. And so I began to, if I was in this room, I would be walking back and forth. 30 minutes, I walked back and forth. I got two and a half miles in while she was, while she was talking. And I'm listening, 30 minutes, I didn't, she didn't stop. It was just coming. And then after about 30 minutes, I saw a way in, and I said, Kathy, can I speak to you? And she said, yeah. And so I said, uh, all during this time, she's explaining to me that she's crying for 15 months in a row. She's explaining to me that she's has estrangement from her husband before he died, the estrangement with her daughter, the estrangement with her, her son, how it was all difficult. Her counsel had been that she needed, if she ever started to cry, to just leave and go home. So wherever she was, if she was eating, getting groceries, she would go home. If she was at church, she would go home. She would go home and she would found herself paralyzed and crying at home. This was her counsel, to go and to cry alone. So after that all ended, I said to her, I'm going to talk to you if, if you will allow me. I, what I'm about to say to you, if, if you want to hang up on me, it's okay. I'll understand. Well, why would I hang up on you? I said, because what I'm going to say to you is kind of weird. I haven't heard you say anything about it. I'm just going to say some, some weird stuff to you. I said, if you let me talk to you, don't hang up. If you do hang up, okay, I got it. But here's my counsel to you. You need an anchor. You need an anchor that you can be anchored to so that you can move through this life safely and into the next life safely. You need an anchor. You need an anchor that will attach you to Jesus Christ. And so here's my first point. Are you, are you still listening or are you going to hang up? I'm still listening. <laughs> I asked her several times. I'm still listening. I'm still listening. Okay. Well, here's the first anchor, the anchor of the Word of God. So we have a God who's created the heavens and the earth. He made you male and female, and He in His Word has given us a map. We have a Word. It's our anchor. This anchor is going to help you move through life in, it, in reality and not escape from it. This this anchor, this Word of God is going to help you with your situations. It's going to help you with your tears. It's going to help you in this life when you grieve and all the way to heaven. Do you know what an anchor is? Do you know what an anchor is? Now, most of us think, well, I know what an anchor is. Well, let me tell you what an anchor is. Have you ever seen these big, big, long shafts with these semicircular things on the end of them? That's an anchor on a big ship. It's all connected to big chains. They drop them in the water. Or you have a boat. When you go fishing, you can have an anchor. And you drop this anchor into the water, and it goes and it kind of scoops. In, you know, it, it finds itself a way into the mud, and it holds the ship 
while the wind is blowing. The same thing happens when we go fishing. Um, you know, you have these big winds. Let me tell you how to go fishing. You know, got these big old lakes, some of these old lakes. You know how men learn how to catch fish on lakes? Men know that it doesn't look like any fish is out there. But, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you know there's humps out there in the lake. They're called humps. They're hills. And if you go and find a 12-foot one, and it drops down to 32 or 35 feet, and it goes from the top to down to the low, and you can find this on a fish finder, you can look and you'll find fish in those certain areas. And so what you do is you take your marker and you throw it on the hump. And then you back off the hump and you get your fishing pole and after you drop your anchor and it's going to hold you. It's going to grab under the mud. It's going to stop you and the wind's blowing. But you don't move because you're anchored. You're holding, you're holding fast. You're not going to move. And so you can take your fishing pole and cast your marker over there. And you can catch fish all day long. It's, it's, if you know what you're doing, you can catch fish in places where nobody knows. You've got to have an anchor. And I said, Kathy, you have to have an anchor. And folks, you have to have an anchor. You have to have an anchor. I told her, you have to have an anchor. It comes from heaven. It comes from God. It comes in this word. And this word is something that does not move. It stands forever. And in this word, we find God calling himself the God of hope. Psalm 40, verse 7, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, and when the breath of God blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of our God stands forever. Did you hear that? She said, I need something to hold on to. I need an anchor, and I'm not finding it within. I'm not finding it on the tube. I'm not finding it when I was in New Zealand for three weeks. I'm not finding it at the uni. You with me? You know what the uni is, don't you? The university. I'm not finding it at the uni. I'm not finding it with my friends, although I love my friends. I'm not finding it, see, at work. I'm not finding it in my lonely room crying. Here's the anchor. It's the Word of God. The grass withers, folks. And when, if, you, if you were, man, around here we have so much rain, everything's green. If I take you to California, where they put water, it's green. Where they put water, there's, there's nuts, there's strawberries, there's all kinds of fruits. Wherever you put water, it's green. But where there's no water, it's all brown. And, and pretty soon around here, it's going to go brown, isn't it? Because I remember living in Texas. <laughs> in a few weeks, folks, middle of November, you watch the trees, all the leaves will be gone. Everything's going to be brown. The grass withers. The flowers are beautiful. Yesterday I walked out, I was looking at the flowers, and I was looking at all those beautiful butterflies everywhere. Butterflies were everywhere. Right, Sila? They're everywhere. But pretty soon, that, the flowers are going to fade. And we are like flowers, and we are like grass. We're here today and gone tomorrow, but you and I who are here today and gone tomorrow, we need something that stands forever, and guess what? It's the Word of God. This Word comes from a God who is personal. This Word comes from a God who is powerful. This Word comes from a God who's penned it through holy men who are taught by the Holy Spirit. Here it is for you and for me to read. It will not change Our jobs change. Our relationships change. Our loved ones die. Things change. We grow old. And we hurt more as we grow old, right? But the Word of God, it stands forever. The the passage we read a few moments ago, 
First Peter. Peter's saying the same thing, but he added some terminology. He says the word of God is imperishable. The word of God is living and it's enduring. Do you believe that? This word is powerful and it's strong and it's living. Just go read it and see what happens. So congregation, Kathy, take out your Bible and read it. I never forget. Pastor Weed, I've never heard anybody tell me any of this. I've been told to go home. I've been told to leave my circumstances. I've been told to go cry alone. I've been told all these things, but nobody has told me to take the Bible and read it. I said, yes, Kathy, I want you to take the Bible and I want you to read it and I want you to go to church. Well, they don't, but what about the mask? What about the COVID? I said, go to church. Go to church. If they make you wear a mask, wear a mask, but go to church where they read the Bible and where they preach the Bible. Read it yourself. Go to a church where it's read. Go to a church where it's preached. I've never heard anybody say this before. I said, now let me tell you something, Kathy. Let me tell you what some other people have said to me. I've already tried that. <laughs> I've already tried that. I go, read it again. Read it again. Try it again. I'm telling you to go read it again. This word is a living word. And if you will read it just like we plant seeds in the ground. What happens when we plant seeds in the ground? Stuff grows. Stuff grows. You plant this in your heart. You say, Lord, teach me as I read this. And he will grow hope in your heart. You will be able to pass through difficult things. I've had women, I told Kathy, I've had women come to me and say, you're hurting my feelings, Pastor Mark. You're hurting my feelings. Who do you think you are to tell me to read the Bible? I said, well, I'm Pastor Mark. I'm supposed to tell people to read the Bible. <laughs> but you're hurting my feelings. You're telling me to do something. I go, yes, I'm telling you to do something. The Bible, we need to delight ourselves in the Bible. And I promise you, if you do it, something begins to happen in your heart. It's my job as a minister not to attach you to me. Every person that comes and talks to me, I try not to, I, I, I like to be your friend. I will be your friend. I will do anything to be your friend. But you know what I want to do? I want to attach you to God through Christ. Because he's the one who stands forever. Well, let me tell you something. You get attached to God's word, Psalm 19. Listen to this. Psalm 19 tells us if you're attached to this word, you know what? It's, it's a perfect word. It's a sure word. It's pure, clean, true. It will restore your soul. You need your soul restored? <laughs> Do you need to be made wise? It will rejoice your heart. It will enlighten your eyes. It will endure forever. It will lead you in the way of righteousness. You have a shepherd who will lead you in the way of righteousness. Let me tell you something. In, when I was 21 years old, I was at Texas A&M. And um, I was growing rat muscle cells in a Petri dish. Every, every day. Every day I'd go grow rat muscle cells in a Petri dish and I would go and have to count them and I'd have to turn my date in and I'd have to wash my, all my stuff. I was, I was at Austin College. I had to get some uh, chemistry uh, experience at Texas A&M, so I'm there for four months and that's what I'm doing. I was eating by myself, I was working out by myself, I was alone, and I was absolutely miserable. And you know what I did when I got back to Austin College? I don't know why, but I started going to church. And I started hearing this guy read the Bible and pray and preach the Bible. 
And I started going home and I pulled my Bible out and I opened it up and leave it on the table. Now I'm at Austin College and ain't nobody else got their Bible out where I was at. Right? Okay? So I'm reading my Bible. My friends think I'm nuts. But I'm reading my Bible. And all of a sudden I find myself on a journey. I begin to go, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to know how you think. I want to know what's in your mind. And I started finding that I had some hope. And I started finding I had purpose. And I want to tell you something. When you start reading the Bible, you may not understand it all. I didn't understand everything I read all at first. And even now I wouldn't say I understand everything. But I know a whole lot more than I did 40 years ago. I hate to tell you my age. I just look, I just look boyish. But see, but see you, you know, 40 years reading, and all of a sudden you know this God of hope much better. And so we learn and we grow and we find motivation. Folks, listen, I remember thinking to myself, I used to work out three hours a day. I found myself reading and studying the Bible three hours a day. I knew something was wrong with me then. I found myself reading 50 chapters of the Bible in two days. I must have been motivated, do you think? And all my friends are fixing to graduate from Austin College. They're all going to be doctors and lawyers and such. Thank you, Willie Nelson. They're all going to be these things. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know one thing. I want to obey God. I know that I've got hope. I know that He knows what I'm going to do. I'll leave that in His hands. I'm just going to try to do the next right thing. And that's what I pray. Here's the second anchor. First anchor is the Word of God. The second anchor is the Word made flesh. We have a Bible. It comes from a God who created us, male and female, who speaks to us. And His final word, Hebrews tells us, is God's Son. He is, Jesus Christ is God's final word. And the Apostle John calls Jesus the Word made flesh. In Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and a hope, this one, which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. Let me tell you what that means. In the Old Testament, the people to be right with God, the, the great high priest would go through a holy place and he would enter into the holiest of holies. He'd go through a veil and enter into this. There was this gold-covered box called the Ark of the Covenant. It was gold. It was beautiful. had some angels on it. And there was a mercy seat. The great high priest would take blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and the people of, the, the, the Israel, uh, people of God would be forgiven of their sins. And what we see in the New Testament, Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our hope. He's the one who enters through the veil and into where God's mercy seat is to make us right with God. This is the person, the Bible says that Jesus is a veil that was torn in two. So that we might enter into the very presence of God. We might enter into the presence of God who calls himself a God of hope. So this is is how it all works. We come through Jesus, the Word made flesh. We come into God's presence and we are made right with God through Him. It's through Jesus that we have hope. It's through Jesus that we have eternal life. It's a journey that we have to start with Him. It starts by reading the written Word. And it continues as we're in the written Word, we're connected to the Jesus, the Word made flesh, and now we have hope. Well, let's go back to Kathy and we conclude the sermon. I met her at a very bad time in her life. Her husband had died. I helped her plan the funeral. I did the funeral, and that was that. Fifteen months later, I get a call from Kathy. 
Do you remember me? Yes, I do. <laughs> I never heard anybody for 15 months tell me to what? Take my Bible and read it? <laughs> that's going to be my help? Kathy, that's what I want you to do. Well, you know, during that 30 minutes that she talked to me, she told me that uh, because of all the crying, that she had canceled her plans for Thanksgiving. And so this was Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I said, Kathy, you got to promise me. Get on the phone, call those people, and you just re-invite yourself over to their house. Are you serious? What if I cry? I said, they've seen people cry before. I said, if you get your makeup messed up, I know about girl stuff. I got a bunch of girls. Just go to the bathroom and fix your makeup. Come back in. I promise you. I promise you these are people. They're real people. They can handle you crying a little bit. Go over to their house. Do not have a care package brought to your house the next day at 5 o'clock. Okay, okay. Six months later, I got a letter. I'm going, I know who this is. And I'm reading this letter, and she goes, Pastor Weed, I'm reading my Bible. She says, Pastor Weed, I'm reading this Bible, and it's connected me to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm happy. And I'm still having problems with my daughter and my son, and I still have problems in this life. But guess what? I know there's hope for me, and I'm walking with God, and I'm connected to his people. That was a great letter. I met her at a difficult time. I heard her again at another difficult time. She took the advice, and now life is different. What about you? Do you need something? Do you need hope? In the midst of difficult circumstances, family, trauma, agony. I don't know what your agony is today. But there is hope. It's not going to be found by looking within. It's not going to be found by looking to philosophers. It's going to be found by looking to this word where Jesus Christ is revealed. God reveals himself as the God of hope. And through Jesus, you come in contact with the one true and living God. And you find hope. And folks, listen, you can start that journey Today, I didn't say this. I probably wanted to say this earlier, but I'll say this. If you need a Bible, if you need a Bible, there's a whole bunch of them. If you need a Bible and you say, Pastor Weed, I'll read it, you can have the Bible in front of you. You take it home and you start reading it and let the journey begin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to be with your people, thank you for this time of hope that we've, we've been thinking about hope, Lord. And we find that you are a God of hope. And we find that we're connected to you through Jesus Christ who is the anchor of hope. And so, Father, we pray that you will work in our hearts. We pray that we might take your word and read it. We might hide it in our hearts and we might love it and live according to it. Work in us now, we pray that it might not return void, Lord, we'd look for what you are going to do in our lives as we walk with you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.